we talked about confidence and patience on how all those uh, instruments that God provided, how they all work together. You know, it's funny because the word says in the book of Romans that all things work together. And a lot of times we, we see that as just our circumstances, but even what God provides, all of those things that he provides all play a part. They all work together for a greater purpose. La semana pasada hablamos sobre la gracia, la fe, la confianza, la paciencia, y como todos trabajan juntos. Amen. Y Dios nos ha dado el que necesitamos vencer. God has given us tools. Every one of us, he's given us tools to overcome. We need to understand that this morning. Big on walking in victory. Not that I've never been attacked. Not that I never go through valleys, but I don't stay stuck in a valley. I refuse to stay stuck in a valley. I refuse to. Because I know that that is not God's will for me to stay stuck in a valley. I know that valleys are for my good. And it's in the valley, most often than not in the valley, is when you're going to learn more about who God is than you are on the mountaintop. When you're on the mountaintop, you're experiencing victory, and it's a time for celebration. But when you're in the valley, it's in those times in the valley when you begin to understand that God is a comforter. It's in those times in the valley that you begin to understand that God is all around you, even whenever it may not always feel like it. God is all around you. He promises to go before you. He promises to be your rear guard. He promises through dark times, through tough times, to be your deliverer, your strong tower that you can run into and that you can find safety and shelter in your time of need. The Lord is my shepherd. We shall not want. That's what the psalmist said. There is no need that I have because everything that we need is already found in him. Everything that you'll ever need in your life, no matter what you experience in your life, if you're going through a hard time and you need comfort, he is the parakletos. In the, in the Greek, it means he is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is referred to as a comforter. And you need to understand that God is the God of all comfort. That's what it says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He is the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in our tribulation, the Bible says. So when you're going through trials, when you're going through a tribulation, know that you can cling to the God. And more, more, even more than that, you cling to the God of all comfort, but also rest in the fact that the God of all comfort doesn't just cling to you. He holds you. Even in the times that we go through trials and problems. So God has given us tools. And we talked last week about grace has already provided all things for us. Amen. Grace has provided everything. Grace. You haven't done anything to deserve your provision. You haven't done anything to deserve your healing. You haven't done anything to deserve your salvation. But through grace, everything has been provided for you. Appropriates what grace has already been provided for you. Appropriates. It apprehends. It gets a hold of everything. Faith isn't stirring things up to try to get something. Faith appropriates what's already been provided. Your healing has already been provided. It was provided 2,000 years ago when Jesus hung on the cross and died for you on the cross. Your healing was already provided over 2,000 years ago. Your provision was already provided over 2,000 years ago. Your healing, your comfort, your peace, your joy, everything was already provided for you over 2,000 years ago. Now it's up to faith 
which God has given unto every man and every woman a measure of what? He, that's what the Bible says. He's already. People say, well, I just don't have any faith. Your issue is not a faith issue because everybody has been given faith. I don't care if you've been walking with the Lord for 28 years, like I've already been walking with the Lord almost 28 years, or you've been walking with the Lord for eight days. You have been given a measure of faith. So it has nothing to do with whether your faith can get it or not. You just have to learn to develop. How do I, how do I appropriate what's already been provided? Yeah. Right? So we talked about grace. We talked about faith. And we talked about confidence. How I am confident in the fact that God will supply all my needs. I am confident in the fact that he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals my diseases. I am confident in the fact that he is Jehovah Nissi. He is the God, my banner. That means that the kingdom, uh, the, the principles in the kingdom are in my life. They're in my home and they govern me. He is Jehovah Shammah. I, I, he is the God who is there. All right. So he is for me. So I'm confident in who he is. And I'm confident that he keeps his promise. So in order to not lose my confidence, I have to exercise. So we talked about all of that last week. And my point in saying all that and reiterating and reminding all of us about that, number one, is because we're quick to forget what was already spoken about, number one. All right. And that's just the truth. We forget the majority of what's spoken. That's why people now use PowerPoints and all these because you have visuals and you remember. That's why I sometimes use props because you remember the props and it sticks with you. So we talked about all that last week. Let me give you the reason why we need these instruments, why we need these tools that God provides. These tools because we, we have a real enemy and the enemy is still alive and well. Even though he was defeated, defanged, over 2,000 years ago. He was declawed over 2,000 years ago. A worthy foe. He still knows how to fight. All right. He still knows how to bring fear in your life. And the, the reason why the enemy will bring attacks in your life, and I'm talking some overwhelming attacks where you won't have any peace. You, won't, you can't get any sleep. You can't concentrate on anything because your mind is so consumed with that attack that you're going through. And the reason why the enemy attacks is he's trying to get you off track. Is he's trying to get you to surrender and trying to get you to give up on God. That's his, own, that's his main objective, to give up on God. La razón por la cual el diablo nos ataca es para hacernos abandonar a Dios. All right? That's the reason why he attacks. Well, I want to go over an interesting, some interesting verses in the book of Mark. We've read these verses, and my prayer this morning is that you will take what you hear. It's as if I had a, a baseball, through the baseball, and somebody's going to catch it. Not everybody will catch it, but somebody will catch it. You ever go to a wedding and you have the bride throw her bouquet? Somebody's going to catch that bouquet. There may be some that don't want to catch that bouquet. <laughs> all right, But somebody wants to catch that bouquet. When it comes to the promises of God... And when it comes to what I'm going to teach on this morning, you've got to be that individual holding up the glove saying, I'm going to catch this. All right. This is mine. And I, I need to use this. And the reason why I'm stressing this this morning is because I strongly believe that God desires for you to be victorious and to be an overcomer. All right. There's too many promises that I read about in the Bible that 
that we're, where God promises and God declares that we're overcomers, that we're more than conquerors. Do you believe that you're more than a conqueror? Amen. Do you believe that you're an overcomer? Yes. Do you believe that you're a king? Yes. That you're Listen, a king, we're called to be kings and priests, the Bible yes. says. Yes. A king just doesn't sit back and doesn't enforce the, the laws. We're, we're called to enforce that authority. What do we enforce? Not your own opinions. You're called to enforce this word right here. Yeah, come on, so when the enemy tries to attack, hey, wait a minute. No, not, not in this kingdom. I'm called to be a king and priest. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to enforce what this word says. If the word says I'm healed, then the enemy has no business touching this body. If the enemy says that you're, you're going to be in lack, no, the, the word says differently. The word says my God shall supply all my needs. The Bible, the word says given it shall be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto my bosom. The Bible says that these blessings shall overtake come on, come on. you. All right. The Bible says that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So I don't have to listen. Listen to what the enemy will try to do. The enemy, all he's going to do is try to tell you what the opposite of what the word says. Or he'll, he'll taint what the word says. All right? That's what he did with Adam and Eve. He just tainted it. He got them to question the word. And if the enemy can get you to question whether God is true or not, then he's got you. He's got you. Listen very closely this morning. Father, open our ears this morning. Help us to hear you this morning. Help us to hear you. Father, we, we desire to be overcomers. Help us to walk uprightly and help us to walk as overcomers. Father, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Go to the book of Mark chapter 11. Passage that many of us in this room are very familiar with, but I think it holds some strong truths in here. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Did you know in the Greek, it doesn't say have faith in God. In the Greek, it truly reads in the Greek because the Old Testament is Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. The way it was written in the original language was have the faith of God. That's the way Jesus taught it. Have the faith of God. So when God, what kind of faith does God have? When God said, let there be light. How many of you, when you come in this room and the lights are off and you flick the switch, you're not going to wonder, okay, what's going to happen? The lights to come on, right? So when God said, let there be light, guess what? Light just happened. It had to obey what came out of the mouth of God. It, it was the spoken word. All right. So that's the faith of God. So when you speak the word, Jesus is saying, and Jesus answered and said unto them, have the faith of God. The same faith that God employs, the same faith that he has in his own word as he watches over it to perform it. You need to have that same faith. So anyway, it says, have faith in God. Verse 23, for verily I say unto you that whosoever, that means anybody, that means anyone, whosoever means white, black, Hispanic, Chinese, Japanese, Puerto Rican, Cuban, Dominican, whatever. All right? Tall people, short people, people with hair, people with no hair. All right? People with green eyes, blue eyes, uh, brown eyes, no eyes. All right? That's, he, that's whosoever. All right? People from Live Oak, people from Universal City, people from San Antonio, people from Selma, people from all around, people from Texas, California, from... Uh, Japan, from Mexico, from Nigeria, wherever, whosoever, for even from Uvalde, you're right, maybe, I don't know, no, from Uvalde, all right, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, 
and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he says. This is why I talk about what's coming out of your mouth. You have what you say is what Jesus is saying. He shall have whatsoever he's saying. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. All right? We need to remember this this morning, that it wasn't the Apostle Paul talking here. It wasn't Peter saying these things. It was Jesus himself. It was Jesus saying this. The highest authority in the whole world. All right? This promise that we find that we just read in the book of Mark chapter 11, it's an open-ended promise. I love that. It's an open-ended promise. Now, when you get, what I mean by that is, well, is healing promise. Yes, that's, that's, this is an open-ended whatsoever. What's the limitation? There is no limitation. All right? Whatsoever things you desire, if you speak them out, you're going to receive them. All right? This is why you have to be very careful with what comes out of your mouth. Very careful what you speak over your children. Very careful what you speak over your wife or your husband. Very careful what you speak over your home. Very careful what you speak over your financial situation. Very careful what you speak over your body. You have to be very careful what you speak over your job. Everybody else gets promotions but me. Everybody gets a pay raise but me. Everybody gets to, uh, has favor here but me. Well, then you speak it out. You have whatsoever you say. All right. What are you speaking over your children? What are you speaking over your marriage? What are you speaking over this church? What are you speaking over your health? This is why it's so important. It's an open-ended promise. Now, I don't know of anyone in my life that has really tapped into this promise without any limits. All right. I don't know anybody. If what Jesus promised in this passage were not possible, then Jesus would have never said it to begin with. All right, you need to understand that this morning. You may say, well, you know, I just don't believe that just because I say it. Well, if Jesus didn't say, if he, if he knew it wasn't possible to do it, he would have never taught it. He would have never said it. But he did. And it's believable. It seems almost impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is possible. We just haven't seen it in our dimension. All right, but I believe that God is about to do great and mighty things in our lives. I believe in the life, in the, in the times that we're living in, that you have not seen anything yet about what God is fixing to do. So I want to talk to you about speaking to things this morning. All right? I want to talk to you about speaking to things. I know about as good as anybody who has been walking with the Lord for some time now, how the faith message has been misused and misrepresented over the years. For a while there, I stopped preaching the faith message. I focused on sin and I focused on repentance, which I strongly, strongly still believe in. All right? You know where I stand when it comes to walking in righteousness, when it comes to dealing with sin and getting the sin out of our lives. All right? We all know that this morning. All right? Sin is anything Jesus wouldn't do. All right. And we need to deal with that if we're going to walk victoriously, because if, if you don't focus on walking in holiness and walking and going after God and walking in righteousness, then everything else is made obsolete. All right. Everything else is to no avail. A holy man or a holy woman is a is a powerful weapon in the hands of God. 
No demon can stand against you if you're walking in holiness. No demon in hell can overtake you if you're walking in holiness. All right? You may be able to quote scripture, but so can the devil. And let me tell you, the devil is a good theologian. This is why theology, it doesn't really mean that much to me. So I respect theology, but the devil's just as good a theologian as any. All right? He can, he can debate theology. It's what he did in the garden. He debated theology. Has God really said that? Let's talk about things. But he's a devil still. Did you hear me? He's a great theologian, but he's still a devil. So you, can, you may be able to quote scripture. You may be able to, to, to sing the songs and you know them by heart. And you may be able, you, you think, well, you know, I, I know how to say the right things in prayer. But if, you're, if there is sin in your life and you're not living for the Lord, if, the, if there is willful sin in your life, Sin is anything Jesus wouldn't do. Would he go where you're going? Would he say what you're saying? Would he watch what you're watching? Would he speak what you're speaking? Sin is anything Jesus wouldn't do. All right? And it's about time in the days we're living in that we begin to speak bluntly and speak the truth because what the world doesn't need in these last days is religious talk. Religion is hanging around the cross. Christianity is actually getting on the cross. We can hang around the cross all day long, but it doesn't mean anything until you get on the cross. Jesus said, if you really want to follow me, if you really want to be my disciple, then deny yourself, pick up your cross every single day. Why are you going to pick up your cross? So you can get on it. Paul said, I die daily. Not, I look like a Christian daily. I die daily. All right. So if there's going to be any change in our lives, it's going to be because we get serious about sin and walking in righteousness and going after God. And let me tell you something else, church. Don't get holiness confused with, well, I got to do all the right things because holiness, God makes you holy. All right. The way you live is determined by how compelled you are by his love that you don't want to do anything to lose and to, to create a chasm between you and God. All right. You don't want to do anything. That would, that would separate you. And it isn't that, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for six hours because that's what holy, it has nothing to do with that. All right? And you say, well, I will, I'll, stop, I'll stop drinking and I'll stop smoking and I'll stop, and then I'll be holy. Church, there's a pasture across the street over there that has cows in that pasture and they don't smoke, they don't drink. All right? But they're not holy. They're just cows. All right? God makes you holy. And, and But listen, but with us, with us, I'm not going to... Listen, I, if I wanted to smoke weed... Uh, listen to me. Right? If I wanted to smoke weed, I wanted to smoke and drink, God's changed my heart to where I don't want to and I don't need to. That's anymore. right. Come on. All right? That's, That's the difference. I don't need that anymore. That empty void that I had on the inside, he's already filled it. Come on. All right? So because I don't want anything to get in the way and to destroy this relationship that I have with him... Don't do certain things anymore, all right? And that's the way you should live your life. I'm not going to do certain things anymore, not because I, I, I think I'm better than anybody else, but there's somebody that I'm trying to please, all right? There's somebody that I, I just got to apprehend. I'm trying to get a hold of, all right? So we cleared that up this morning, all right? So for a while there, I stopped preaching about faith because the faith message has been abused it's been misused. It, it, it got distorted over the years. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It did. It got distorted over the years. All right. And, and, and because of flesh and because of original sin, 
because it was all about me, me, me. People took the faith message and they exaggerated it and they thought living in faith and having a good testimony means driving the nicest car, living in the biggest house, having the nicest jewelry, having the nicest clothes, having the nicest, uh, the, big, the best job. It, it was about all of that and it had nothing to do with any of that. All right? Walking in faith has more to do with walking in victory. The enemy tries to attack you. You can stand. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. Everything. All right? And we're going to learn that this morning. I've seen it. And it's because of... Listen, I didn't... I wasn't the only one that stopped preaching faith. There are a lot of preachers who stopped preaching about it. And many church folks, they stopped believing in it as well. And some church folks even stopped going to church because of the abuse that occurred in the church. But let me warn you this morning about something, all right? You should never completely stop something entirely just because it's been abused. You should, listen to what I'm saying. You should never completely stop just because something is being misused. You should never throw the baby out with the bathwater, all right? Especially when it comes to the word, because there's truth in the word. Amen? Amen? There's still truth in the word. You just have to learn to go around the periphery and learn to rightly divide the word and extract truth from what's being spoken. Amen? I just pray that I have never abused. I hope I never have. And I hope I never will abuse the faith message. All right? But I do know that the faith message is critical to walking in victory. All right? It reminds me of... uh, when we talk about throwing the baby out with the bathwater, Jesus spoke a parable at one time. He spoke about a man, a treasure in a field. And he said that a man went and he bought that field in order to get the treasure that was in that field. Now, what that was saying was the land was bought not because of what was on top of the land, but what, what was beneath the ground, what was in the land. Before that man bought the property, bought that land, he didn't have the right to dig on that ground without owning the property. So the man went and he bought the field and in that field, there's a treasure. And how many of you know, anybody ever bought a piece of land before out in the country? When you buy, when you buy a piece of land out in the country, many times you're going to have to clear out that land. And there's going to be trash on that land. There's going to be bottles, beer bottles on that land. There's going to be papers. There's going to be brush. There's going to be debris all on that land and you got to clear it out. Well, that's the same as what Jesus was teaching. And just because that land was filled with trash, that man knew that beneath that trash, there was a treasure. All right. And that's the same thing that we do. When you hear something, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Extract the truth from it and everything else. It's kind of like if you don't like the crust on bread, just slice it off. All right. But the bread's still good. This, This is the way it is in the kingdom. There are treasures forevermore and there's a lot of debris and there's a lot of trash and there's still brush and tumbleweeds that need to be cleared out but if you know there's a treasure hidden down beneath how many you know how much that's worth it is worth it to go through all that trash and debris in order to get the treasure out of it all right you don't avoid and run from the treasure just because there's trash in there and it's work and it's worth the price to have to put up with all that in order to get the treasure all right So there have been abuses within the faith message and within confession over the years. I said a while ago at one time, I shunned it, but I've learned that if if I'm going to have victory in my life, I have to embrace faith. 
and I have to activate this faith with my words. At least that's what Jesus said. Amen? Now, one of the things that I've learned over the years is I've been around people that have suffered through attacks, attacks in their health, attacks in their families, attacks in their marriages, attacks in their finances, is that God has given us tools, tools such as prayer. I strongly believe in prayer. I do. A man or a woman of God is only as strong as their prayer life. All right? You're only as strong as your prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, you're not very strong. All right? But a man and a woman, they're only as strong as their prayer life. All right? I've learned over the years that God has provided more tools than just prayer. All right? There's the tools of speaking a blessing. All right? Prayer moves some things in our era, and it moves things. Prayer does. But in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament... You see, in addition to prayer, the tool of the spoken blessing, blessing all right, used from time to time. And I've seen prayer change things, but I've also seen the power that comes from speaking a blessing over some things and how it can have a dramatic effect on a situation, all right? So, yeah, you can pray over some things, but there's some things you just need to speak a blessing over, all right? Church, are you with me so far? I've learned, I've had to train myself over the years. I've learned that some things can only be changed by speaking a blessing over it, especially things that have been cursed. All right. You can pray all you want, but many times, listen, and I'm going to back that up in a little while because some people say, well, no, it's prayer, prayer, prayer. And I, and I strongly believe in prayer, but there's times where you, you just got to stop praying and you got to begin speaking, speak the word, speak a blessing. You want to change the situation. If things are out of alignment, speak it back into alignment. All right. Many times we say, God, I'm waiting for you to move. And God's saying, well, I've given you the tools. I've given you the weapons. I'm waiting for you to use it. Give you an example. When the Lord said to Sarah, when he told Abraham, I'm going to bless Sarah. Isn't that what he told her? Sarah couldn't have children. She was barren, right? God told Abraham, I'm going. He didn't say, read it for yourself. He didn't say, I'm going to heal Sarah. He said, I'm going to bless Sarah. He never said, I'm going to heal Sarah. Chew on that for a little while. God never said, I'm going to heal her, Abraham. Never said that. Many of us, I think sometimes what we would have done is we would have said, well, let's hold a prayer he- prayer meeting and let's all hold hands and let's just pray and, and ask God to, you know, somebody who can't have children, let's pray that God heals her. But God never said that about Sarah. He never said, I'm going to heal Sarah. He said, I'm going to bless Sarah. And then he began to say that she was the mother of nations. And he even said that kings were within her. She was barren. And if she were, even if Sarah had come to most prayer meetings, many of us would have prayed healing over her. But I find it fascinating that God didn't say he was going to heal her. She was barren. And God didn't say he was going to heal Sarah, but he was going to bless Sarah. So knowing this, It should cause you to question how many other things in the kingdom that people are going through that they don't necessarily need a healing from or they may not necessarily need you to pray over. They just need a blessing and they need someone to speak a blessing over them. All right. Hear what we're saying. Now, there are people in the Bible that the Lord healed. But for Sarah, he said specifically, I'm going to bless her. Give you another example. When Jesus fed the multitude, there was a little boy with a little sack lunch. He had a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of fishes. And there were over 5,000 people, not counting the women and children, just 5,000 men. So you add 
the women and children, you probably had maybe 12 to 15,000 people there. And there are many times where Jesus prayed. When John the Baptist died, he was beheaded and he, and, and, and he died. Jesus got alone on a mountaintop to pray. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. There are many times where Jesus got alone, got by himself and prayed. But in this instance, he grabbed the bread and he grabbed the fish. And what did he do? Did he pray over that bread? He blessed it, the Bible says. He blessed it. He spoke a blessing over that bread. Increase typically does not come from praying. Increase comes from blessing. I'm going to bless you. You bless Israel. He says, whoever blesses Israel, I'll bless. Increase comes from blessing. So when you speak a blessing, increase typically occurs. Does that make sense? Jesus lifted up the bread over the multitude. He lifted up the bread and he thanked the Father for it. And the word says he blessed it. And the disciples then were able to share it and pass it around. The multiplication and the increase came only after he blessed. When Jesus was on the boat sleeping, he was in the boat sleeping soundly. Hear me. Anybody going through a storm? When Jesus was on the boat and he was sleeping and the disciples who were rugged fishermen were on that boat. And they were scared for their lives. They were in the middle of the night. It says in the, in the middle of the night is when this storm happened. And they look over at Jesus and he's sound asleep on that boat while the storm is happening all around them. They, they're scared for their lives, thinking they're, they're fixing to die. And one of them cries out, don't you care? Jesus gets up from his sleep. And did you know that he didn't grab their hands and say, let's pray to the Father? Jesus got at the end of that boat and he spoke to that storm, peace, be still. That's what he did. He didn't pray. He said, he didn't say, Peter, let's hold hands and believe God for a miracle. He didn't do that. He spoke to that storm. So church, I'm here to tell you, prayer is powerful and there's a time for prayer. But just as there's a time for prayer, there's also a time to speak. Speak a blessing and speak the word over your situation. All right? Prayer solicits heaven. It solicits heaven and it asks for heaven to intervene. But God has provided everything that pertains unto life and godliness. And so he's also provided the word for you to be able to speak over your situation and for you to change some things. All right. How many of us would have gathered together and held hands and prayed for that storm to go away? If we're going to walk in victory and maturity, I'm going to repeat that. If we're going to walk in victory and maturity, maturity, not in childish ways spiritually, but maturity, we have to figure out what we're going to do and if we're going to do as Jesus did in every situation. All right? This is about responding, not reacting. Listen, when you have a car, you don't wait for that car to get broken to where you say, okay, maybe I better change the oil. You do what's called preventative maintenance. All right? You do preventative action, not react. Not You don't react. It's not reactive maintenance. It's preventative maintenance. Some of us may have reactive maintenance. All right? All right? You run out of gas. I need to react, and I better put gas. All right? You prevent that from happening by putting gas. All right? It's the same way in the scriptures. You Listen, you, you don't react to these situations. You respond the way Jesus would have responded. It's about walking in maturity. That storm emerged and Jesus said, peace, be still, stop it. He commanded the wind and the waves to stop. 
Did you know that Adam had that same authority? But he lost that authority when he fell in the garden. So there were things that Jesus prayed over. There were things that Jesus spoke to. And there were things he blessed. All right? Remember that, church. If you're going to walk in victory, there, listen, Jesus prayed over some things. Some things. And he also spoke some things. What did he say to that fig tree prior to the parable? Or not the parable, but the, well, the story we just read in the book of Mark chapter 11. Prior to that what that passage, he had spoken to a fig tree that had no fruit and he cursed the fig tree. And when they came back out, that fig tree was dead and withered. All right, he spoke to some things. Prayer is used to solicit heaven for divine intervention in areas that you need intervention in heaven for. You need God to intervene. The Bible says the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much, talking to God. There comes a time that you, there comes a time whenever you talk to God, but there comes a time whenever you talk to the storm. Hello? There comes a time where you talk to God. There comes a time when you talk to the storm. And then there also comes a time that you talk to the bread. I love the times we're living in. All right? I do. I, I, I get so fascinated with the times we're living in. We have, we have these smartphones. All right? We got smart TVs now. How many of you got a smart TV at home? One person, a few. Don't, don't be ashamed. To, you're still holy. All right? All right? And some of you may even have a smart vehicle where you can start it. You got it? You got a smart vehicle where you can start it with your... You start it with your keychain. It, it's amazing. You know, we talked about, uh, I don't know how long ago when I talked about a message similar to this and how technology is catching up to what Jesus said to do. You can now speak to Alexa or you can speak to Google and you can speak to, Jesus said that over 2,000 years ago, speak to that mountain. Amen. Technology, it amazes me how technology is catching up to what Jesus was talking about. He was light years ahead of everybody. He really was. And so when I see this technology even now, it, it to me, I can't think of, I, I can't help to think of, of, of the things that are spiritual. You know, back in the day when you didn't have a smart TV and you didn't have a smart truck or smart car, the technology we used back then was a hanger. Right? That hanger, that hanger tuned your television. And if you locked your keys in your car, that same hanger could unlock your car. Right? Anybody ever have to unlock your car with a hanger? Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. You know, the millennials today would say, how do you do that? I remember preaching at a rally in Corpus. Mm-hmm. My very first rally, it was a street rally. And we were preaching to gang members and prostitutes in the street. I was in the corner, 14th Street. I remember this. 14th Street there in, in Corpus Christi. And we had an awesome response to that altar call. And I was, I was ministering with Victory Temple down there. I locked my keys in my car. Well, if you know the ministry of Victory Temple... You know all the homeboys that live in that in that in those homes. You know they 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 they've been around the block a couple of times. I saw it. There they see me frustrated with my keys in the car. They said, "Oh, well, let me go let me go get so and so." Within probably about ten minutes, my window was still intact. I mean, every, I mean, I'm like, how did you do that? They don't tell their secrets. Go back to the old man. There were no hangers or anything. I don't know how they did it. I don't want to know. But, you know, I look at things and I see you speak to things. You know, people now, you speak to Google and it'll answer you any, any kind of crazy question you have. Speak the word, that same word. Yeah. Never mind what Google says. Never mind what Siri says. You, what does the word say? Speak that out over your situation. 
All right? Speak it out. Go to Ezekiel chapter 37. All right? I got to hurry. Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to talk a little bit about this, all right? And then uh, we'll celebrate and eat some cake. All right? Isn't that a good way to end? Amen. Celebrate and eat some cake. All right. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. I'm going to go all the way down to verse 10. So I'm reading 10, script, 10 verses. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in, in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were many, very many in the open valley. Listen to that. There were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know, again, he said unto me, prophesy, unto those bones and say to them, O ye bones, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus behold the Lord God unto these, uh, thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and I will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded to do and as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone and when I beheld lo the sinews and the flesh came up upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them then said he unto me prophesy unto the wind prophesy son of man and say unto the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded me and the bread and the breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army the Lord caused this prophet to be brought to a place to survey or to assess an extremely hopeless situation. All right? You need to understand that. God brought this prophet to a valley of dry bones. It was an extremely hopeless situation. I want you to picture it in your head, this valley of dry bones. It doesn't say a valley of skeletons, which is telling me that these bones were scattered everywhere. And I can't explain to you why a shoulder bone or a, an arm wasn't connected to the shoulder or a leg wasn't connected to the femur or anything like that. I, I don't know why. All I know is that everything was scattered everywhere. Extremely hopeless situation. Anybody ever been in a situation that you consider to be extremely hopeless? Many times, this is where when, when, when you're brought to a place where it's just, you're extremely hopeless, where it just, it just appears, that's it, that's, it's this, there's nothing worse than this. Many times when you're brought to a situation like that, or when people are brought to a situation like that, you know what happens? Most often people just stop. They stop advancing, they give up, right here. So many people, when they are brought to a place that appears hopeless to survey the condition Oftentimes they assess that situation and they throw in the towel and they say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not going there. I don't want to deal with that. I, I'm done. I'm done. Much for me. Anybody ever been there? You face a situation, maybe in your marriage, in your home, in your finances. Maybe you get served papers. You deal with that situation. I'm done with this. But look at Ezekiel. Look at this prophet of God. Look where he's been placed. The Bible is extremely clear that it was God he says that it was God who sat this prophet down right in the midst of a dark and hopeless situation. And he told him, what do you see? He told him to assess the situation and to survey what once was. 
He said, Ezekiel, I want you to look this thing over. I want you to look at it. And you tell me, Ezekiel, your assessment of this situation. Dry bones everywhere. It was chaotic. Bones everywhere. Again, this wasn't the valley of skeletons. It was a valley of dry bones. Dry, arid, bones in disarray. Brother so-and-so's bones were not, they, they were somewhere else. Sister so-and-so's bones were over there. They were just scattered everywhere. It was chaotic. But look what he says in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of that valley. Right in the middle. In the midst of that valley. And he caused me to pass by them round about. Listen, don't ever... Don't ever be afraid when the Lord puts you right in the middle of a hopeless situation. Don't freak out. Just make sure that you respond in faith just like Ezekiel responded in faith. Listen, if you're ever going to receive a great miracle, then there are going to have to be, uh, there's going to have to be a great dry bone situation. If you're ever going to receive a great miracle, you cannot be afraid to be put right smack in the middle of a dry bone situation. And you cannot be afraid when God asks you, what do you see? Talk to me. What do you see? What do you see in your marriage? Talk to me. What do you see in your family? Talk to me. What do you see in your finances? What do you see in your body, in your health? What do you see in your church? Ezekiel said, I see a valley of dry bones. He didn't lie. He didn't candy coat it. He stated exactly what he saw. And then the Lord asks, well, what's your assessment? Can these bones live again? Look at verse 3. He said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. What's happening here is the man of God said, Lord, God said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? It's, it, it seems hopeless. They're not connected. They're scattered everywhere. Ezekiel, can these bones live? What's Ezekiel do? He said, Lord, you know. In other words, you know what he didn't do? He didn't put his own opinion in the matter. He took himself out of that opinion. He took himself out of that situation. And most likely, Ezekiel saw those bones. I mean, really, think about it. Those bones everywhere. All you heard was the wind. Ezekiel saw those dry bones. I mean, really. It makes me wonder, and I kind of believe that Ezekiel saw the hopelessness in that situation. And most likely, he didn't believe that they could live again. But look what he did. Rather than speak what he thought, rather than speak unbelief, he took himself out of that matter. And Ezekiel said, Lord, you know. You know. What was he saying? What he was saying was, it doesn't matter what I think. I'm working with you, Lord. You know all things and nothing is too hard for you or impossible for you. If these bones can live again, it's only because you can make them live again. If this marriage is going to live again, it's only because you can make it live again. If my body's going to be healed, it's only because you can heal it. If my, my bank account is going to be full, it's only because you can fill it. If my church is going to experience revival, it's only because you can bring revival, God. You know. I'm not going to look at the obvious here. I'm not going to look at these scattered dry bones. I know that, God, you, you can do all things. The prophet is saying only you can do something about this. 
And then God commands something very interesting. Look at verse 4. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones. I find that fascinating. He didn't say, listen, he said prophesy upon these bones. He didn't say prophesy to these bones. All right? I'm talking about rightly dividing the word. Look at it because for most of us, we read something and it goes right over us. He didn't say prophesy to. We've heard that phrase, I'm going to prophesy to. He said, prophesy upon these bones. When you prophesy to somebody, that's one thing. But God isn't saying that. He said, Ezekiel, put something on these bones. Put something on that situation. Put something upon the situation that you're facing. Don't simply speak to it. Put something on it. Put faith on it. Put faith on that situation. Put a prophetic word on that situation. Put something on your finances. Put a prophetic word over your finances. Put a prophetic word over your health. Put something on it. Don't just speak to it. Put something on it. Speak upon it. Put something on your health. Put something over your home. Put it on your children. Put it on your marriage. Speak something. Prophesy upon your job. Prophesy upon your church. Give God something to work with. Put faith on your situation. Oh, come on. Some of you are getting it, some of you are not. I told you it's going to be like a baseball. Some of you are going to get it, some of you are not. Again, he said unto me, verse 4, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. What he's saying is, bones, now is the time. If you're ever going to hear, hear what God is saying. Never mind what Ezekiel is saying. Never mind what Brother Aaron is saying. Never never mind what Brother Reuben is saying. Never mind what your husband, your wife, and everybody else is saying. Hear the word of the Lord. Realize this. There is power in prophesying, but there's also power in declaring. Job chapter 22 verse 28 says that you shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. It's one thing to prophesy to the bones. But God was saying to put this prophecy upon those bones. These bones no, don't need these bones need something on them. Your home needs something on it. Don't just talk to it. I hope you're getting this. Prophesy upon these bones. How many of you know that my words and your words don't mean a hill of beans? But when you put the word of God on something, something's gotta give. Did you hear me? You can speak your opinion all day long and maybe people leave, will even listen to you. But if all you ever speak is simply what you think and what you believe and your opinion about this and your opinion about that, nothing's ever going to change. But when you speak the word, when you speak what God has to say about the matter, it's only then that things begin to change. How many of you know that people are full of opinions? Even in church. Opinions about the service, opinions about the sermon, opinions about the music, opinions about the direction everything's going. I'm tired of hearing opinions and seeing things remain the same day in and day out. Aren't you? Let's decide decide today to speak the word over the dry bones in our lives. Put the word of God upon your dry bones. All right? Now... Now, let me say this, all right? I got to go quickly. So in verse, seven, in verse 7, I'm skipping over. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied, as I prophesied, there was a noise. What began to happen? He prophesied as commanded, and there was a noise. Church, hear me. When God starts something, 
there's typically going to be some kind of a noise, a sound associated with what he's about to do. These bones were situated in a valley. It was very dry. It was chaotic, just the way the devil likes it. All you could hear was the wind. All you could see was tumbleweeds and dust everywhere. No life anywhere. But something, put something on these bones and realize, listen, when you put something on these bones, realize this, church. You always have to give God something to bless. All right? I'm going to put something on these bones. I'm going to give God something to bless. What are you putting on your children? What are you putting on your marriage? Put something on it. And when you put something on it, the next thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a sound. That's what he said. He said there was a noise. You got to learn to declare, church, because declaring stirs things up. All right? I like eggs. That's a weird thing to say in a sermon. I do. I like eggs. But you know what? Eggs by themselves, I can eat them. But man, if you put some eggs on the mexicana, now you're going to stir some things up. All right? You're putting some flavor in that. All right? You're adding some jalapenos and onions and tomatoes in that. And you stir it up. When you stir it up, things change. It, it tasted good to me one way, but you, now you stirred some things in that. Some of you need to learn how to stir some things up in the, in the spirit. Learn to stir some things up in your home. All right? Stir some things up. I, I don't know about you, church, but I want to give God something to work with. I do. I want to give God something to work with. Now, let me say this, and I'm going to close, because I believe there's a noise coming. There's a, there's a noise coming, and it's coming to some of you. Not every, but some of you, whoever wants it, it's coming to you. All right? A noise. All right? Uh, let me just declare this, because, listen, I'm talking about declaring and speaking a word let me declare this over you and you can if whether you want to receive it it's up to you but i declare that that the noise of encouraging news about your health your finances your career your family is going to come to you in the days ahead i'm going to declare that right now i speak that over you you're going to receive some news that you didn't expect to receive all right just get ready for it. It may be small. It may be large. But nevertheless, it's a blessing from God. So take it. It's yours. Receive it. There's a noise. There's a sound associated with it. Somebody may say, well, I don't believe in, you know, where is that in Scripture? Where is that in Scripture? Where is that in Scripture? What did John the Baptist say he was? Voice. He was a sound. He was the voice. Crying in the wilderness before the coming of the Lord. The sound precedes what God is about to do. The Bible says in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, that they were all situated in the upper room. When the Spirit of God began to fall, there was the sound of a rushing wind. All right? There was the sound of a rushing wind. All right? Can I tell you that when Jesus is about to come back, there's also going to be the sound of a trumpet. All right? So there's always a sound associated with what God is about to do. When Elijah was battling with the prophets of Baal and he was praying and there was a drought and he put his head between his knees and he was praying, the the servant went up to Elijah and he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Before a raindrop had even fallen, there was a sound. Before people began to even speak in tongues, there was a sound of a rushing wind. All right? So there's always a sound. So I just declare to you that sounds are coming. Yes. I declare that the sound, listen, the sound is the beginning of a miracle. Yes. All right? I speak, listen, I declare that somebody's heart is going to change towards you Hallelujah. in the coming days. Yes. You're going to hear the sound 
of a stony heart beginning to crumble. Hallelujah. All right? You're going to begin to see, you're going to hear that. The sound, and listen, it may be, it may come in the sound of a notification of a text message. It may be the sound of a phone call. It may be the sound of an email coming in. But that sound is coming. And that sound, I declare that somebody's attitude and their heart towards you is just going to change. And that stony heart that they had towards you is going to begin to crumble. And you're going to hear the sound of a heart of flesh that God is putting in them towards you. Expect favor. Expect favor. Expect favor. Hallelujah. 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 Listen for the noise. Listen for the noise. I declare that many of you in this room are going to be visited by God in dreams and in visions. All right, the older I get, I always remember this because the Bible says in the book of uh, Joel, Joel, it says that the old man will dream dreams. And I always thought, why is that? The older I get, the more I sleep. So I realize I don't get as many visions. I get more dreams than I do visions now. Now I'm not a big sleeper. But I always associate old men will dream dreams because they sleep a lot, all right? But I declare that many of you in this room are going to be visited by God in the days ahead in your dreams and in visions. And it's going to pertain to a matter that's been stressing you out for some time now. And God is going to give you direction. He's going to give you a word in due season about what you need to do in order to see change in that situation. So listen for the noise. Are you hearing me? Now listen, some of you, you may think, well, I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that. I'll give you another example. Paul and Silas were in the prison. And in the midnight hour, they began to sing. And it says that was the, that was the sound they were singing, the worship. They were singing. And as they began to sing, an earthquake occurred. Come on, come on. And the prison doors were opened up. And their shackles broke off. And every prisoner around them. This is why I love, listen, the other day, I got a picture of my dad on a John Deere tractor. All right? My dad is 72, 73. All right? Lives, he lives up in Palestine, Texas, where my mom lived. And he's handling her, her, her property up there. But he had a, a, a John Deere tractor that broke. There's five acres that he's on it. And so towards the end of last summer, last fall, he was doing everything with a push mower. That's a lot of work. All right? And, and it was frustrating me, and I kept thinking, how do I get a tractor up, to, up there to come? How do I do this? This is how, when, when, when you're walking with the Lord and there's favor, yes. all right, hear me. Y'all two work together, right? Yes. Now, in the, who got the job first? And then you got the job. Okay, so favor, when, when it's, it, it pours over into others, all right? So here's the thing. My dad is not saved, but, but look how God blesses. Okay? I, I, I was concerned for him. And I thought, how in the world? And I started looking at the prices of these of these tractors. And I have a man that used to work with me that is moving to North Carolina. And so we were getting a couch at his house. Uh, you know him, Mr. Freeman. We're putting a couch in his house. Uh, he was donating it to somebody. We're putting it on the back of a truck. And he said, come here for a minute. And I said, yeah. So we did his garage. And he said, can your dad use that John Deere tractor? And I thought, that, yeah. And he said, he said, it just needs, the battery just needs to be charged. And he said, the lowering mechanism for the blade, he said, it needs to be welded. works. So he goes, I'm going to go up to North Carolina, get things situated. When I come back in January, I'll let you know, and you can come pick it up. Okay. He calls me, and he says, I got it ready for you. So I went to go pick it up. 
And he goes, oh, I fixed the, the lowering mechanism fixed for you, and the battery's good, it charges. My uncle took it this past week to my dad, so I got a picture of my dad on that John Deere tractor. And I started thinking about the goodness of God around you is not just for you. The benefits are for everybody around you, all right? In fact, that woman with the alabaster box, when she broke it, that aroma was, everybody could smell it. Everybody could, could experience what that smelled like. All right? So, listen, what I'm saying is that when you begin to employ the word and walk in faith, it's not just going to be for you. It's going to be for you, your spouse, your children, your children's children. It's for other people to experience and to enjoy so that they can see the goodness of God. All right? It's not just a for you thing and no more. It's mine. It's not, it's not about it. You know, remember that old Daffy Duck cartoon? And he wanted that diamond, and he said, it's mine, 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 you know. Yeah, it's yours, but it's not just for you. It's for other people to experience, okay? So get ready. Get ready for God to bring breakthrough in your life. Get ready for God to do great things in your life for you, your family, your children, your children's children. Watch and see the goodness of God. Taste and see the goodness of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Let's stand together. Because we got cake to eat. <laughs> Hallelujah.